Joshua 16, 1-17 And then I spoke to Moshe after the death of Aaron's two sons, when they tried to sacrifice for Adonai and died. Adonai said to Moshe, Tell your brother Aaron not to come at just any time into the holy place beyond the curtain, in front of the ark cover, which is on the ark, so that he will not die, because I appear in the cloud over the ark cover. Here is how Aharon is to enter the holy place, with a young bull as a sin offering, and a ram as a burnt offering. He is to put on his holy linen tunic, have the linen short next to his bare flesh, have the linen sash wrapped around him, and be wearing the linen turban. They are holy garments. He is to bathe his body in water and put them on. He is to take from the community of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron is to present the bull for the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and his household. He is to take the two goats and place them before Adonai at the entrance to the tent of the meeting. Then Aharon is to cast lots for the two goats, one for Adonai and the other for Azazel. Aharon is to present the goat whose lot fell to Adonai and offer it as a sin offering. Before, But the goat whose lot fell to Azazel is to be presented alive to Adonai, to be used for making atonement over it by sending it away into the desert for Azazel. Aharon is to present the bull of the sin offering for himself. He will make atonement for himself and his household. He is to slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before Adonai, and with his hands full of ground, fragrant incense, bring it inside the curtain. He is to put the incense on the far before Adonai, so that the cloud from the incense will cover the ark cover, which is over the testimony, in order that he not die. He is to take some of the bull's blood and sprinkle it with his finger on the ark cover toward the east. And in front of the ark cover, he is to sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Next, he is to slaughter the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, bring its blood inside the curtain, and do with its blood as he did with the bull's blood, sprinkling it on the ark cover in front of the ark. In front of the ark cover. He will make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgression, all their sins. And he is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is there with them right in the middle of the, right in, in their uncleanness. So should I read this verse again? He will make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgression. All their sins, 
all their sins. And he is to do the same for the tent of meeting, which is there with them, right in the middle of their uncleanness. No one is to present is to be present in the tent of meeting from the time he enters the holy place to make atonement until the time he comes out, having made atonement for himself, for his household, and for the entire community. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The second reading is from Ezekiel chapter 22, and Deborah is going to read for us from verse 1 to verse 19. Once again, that's Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 1 to verse 19. Shabbat shalom. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, And you, son of man, will you judge? Will you judge the bloody city? Then declare to her all her abominations. You shall say, Thus says the Lord God, a city that sheds blood in her midst, so that her time may come, and that makes idols to defile herself. You have become guilty by the blood that you have shed, and defiled by the idols that you have made, and you have brought your days near. The appointed times sorry, the appointed time of your years has come. Therefore I have made you a reproach to the nations and a mockery to all the countries. Those who are near and those who are far from you will mock you. Your name is defiled. You are full of tumor. Behold, the princes of Israel in you, everyone according to his power, have been, have been bent on shedding blood. Father and mother are treated with contempt in you. The sojourner suffers extortion in your midst. The fatherless and the widow are wronged in you. You have despised my holy things and profaned my Sabbaths. There are many in you who slander to shed blood, and people in you who eat on the mountains. They commit lewdness in, in your midst. In you, men uncover their father's nakedness. In you, they violate women who are unclean in their menstrual impurity. One commits abomination with his neighbor's wife. Another lewdly defiles his daughter-in-law. Another in you violates his sister's another in you violates his sister, his father's daughter. In you they take bribes to shed blood. You take interest and profit and make gain of your neighbors by extortion. But me you have forgotten, declares the Lord God. Behold, I strike my hand at the dishonest gain that you have made, and at the blood that has been in your midst. Can your courage endure, or can your hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with you? I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. I will scatter you among the nations and disperse you through the countries, and I will consume your uncleanness of you. And you shall be profaned by your own doing in the sight of the nations, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. All of them are bronze and tin and iron and lead in the furnace. They are dross of silver. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have all become dross, therefore, behold, I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Serious indictment there against Israel. 
Okay, the last reading uh, is in Hebrews chapter 9. Karen is going to read for us from verse 11 to verse 28. Once again, that's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 to verse 28. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. But when the Messiah appeared as Cohen Haggadal, on the good things that are happening already. Then, through the greater and more perfect tent, which is not man-made, that is not of this created world, he entered the holiest place once and for all. And he entered not by means of the blood of bull and goats and calf, but by means of his own blood, thus setting people free forever. For if the sprinkling ceremony on unclean people with the blood of goats and bull and the ashes of heifer restore the outward purity, then how much more the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offer himself to God as a sacrifice without blemish, will purify our conscience from works that lead to death so that we can serve the living God. It is because of this death that he's a meditator of a new covenant or will, because a death has a core which set people free from the transgression committed under the first covenant. Those who have been called may receive the promise, eternal inheritance. For, for where there is a will, there must necessarily be produced an evidence of a maker's death. Since a will goes into effect only upon death, it never has force while its maker is still alive. That is why the first covenant too was inaugurated with blood. After Moses had promised every commandment of the Torah to all the people, he took the blood and of the calf with some water and used a scarlet wool and hyssop to sprinkle blood on the scroll itself and all the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has ordained for you. Likewise, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the things used in the ceremony. In fact, according to the Torah, almost everything is purified of blood. Indeed, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now, this is how the copies of the heavenly things have been purified. But the heavenly things themselves require better sacrifice than these. For the Messiah has entered a holy place which is not man-made and merely a copy of the two, two ones, but into heaven itself in order to appear now on our behalf in the very presence of God. Furthermore, he did not enter heaven to offer himself over once, over and over again, like the corn Haggadol who entered the holiest place year after the year with blood not, that is not his own. For then he would have to suffer death many times from the founding of the universe on. But as it is, he has appeared once at the end of age in order to do all sin to the sacrifice of himself. Just as human beings have to die once, but after comes judgment, so also the Messiah, having been offered once to appear to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to deliver those who eagerly wait for him. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So Hallelujah. Wait. And we look forward to that. We're eagerly awaiting, right? Yes. Right, family? Yes. I don't know about you guys. I am eagerly awaiting 
hope you're with me on that one. Okay, let's, uh, let's say the blessing after reading the Torah like this. Baruch Eloheinu melech haolam, asher natan lanu Torah emet, v'chaye olam nata v'tocheinu, baruch ata Yahuah, noten ha-Torah, amen. And we said, blessed are you, Yahweh Elohim, king of the universe, who has given us the Torah of truth, and implanted eternal life within us. Blessed are you, Yahuwah, giver of the Torah. Amen. Amen. Okay. So just let me say a quick uh, Shabbat Shalom to some folks who've joined us since we started. Uh, Shabbat Shalom, Rachel. Shabbat Shalom, Antoinette. Shabbat Shalom, Alice and Bernice and Joanna. Shabbat Shalom, Yusli, Lloyd, Cindy, Everall. And Diane, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat so, shalom. so shalom. happy to have you with us. Happy, to, it's good to have the family together, isn't it? Amen. I love yes. these family reunions, even though it's on Zoom. It's still good. It's still good. <laughs> you know, the the in person ones are better, no doubt about it. But this, you know, this keeps it keeps me going from week to week for sure. Love you all. I just want you to know that. We love you all. Every one of you. We Um, love you too. (laughs) We love you too. Yeah, Yeah, you're just saying that because it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Love begets love. (laughs) Kindness begets kindness. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Okay, Torah portion. Yeshua loved me enough to make that sacrifice 
for my sin, for me, my children, my family, all of us. It's overwhelming, you know. It, it really is overwhelming. And so I feast on that every time it comes to my mind, just how lucky I am. And I just have to glorify him every time my eyes are awake. And every time I'm about to complain, you know, all week people have been saying, you know, I've seen people in the hallway. Hey, how are you? How is it going? And I, all I can say is, I'm wonderful. I'm happy. And people are, okay, that's good. I said, why complain? Life is good. I woke up this morning. And I'm walking and I'm talking. And I rejoice every morning when I say to the Lord, I'm so happy I'm able to come before you to spend time with you on my drive to work. And while I'm at my desk, I sneak my phone and I put in my earplug and I listen to some of the messages. And it gets me through my day. And I just thank him for his grace and his mercy. And um, basically that sums up what I want to say, you know, and just thinking of how um, righteous he is. And, and when we think about blood, I never could even I'm just thinking, okay, blood runs through my vein, I bleed, I cut, I, I get cut, and I bleed out. But the importance of what the blood signifies is it's it's tremendous. It is absolutely tremendous. No wonder he said we should not partake in the eating of blood because the blood cleanses. It cleanses everything, you know. So that is something that we need to be stern about. You know, and just thinking about poor um, Aaron losing his two sons because of whatever sacrifice, whatever it is that they did, I can't even fathom, you know, because they would have known the rules. And sometimes uh, it's like little children eager to please. So they tend to overdo things. And perhaps that's what they did. I don't know. But I'm just saying, blessed be unto the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. Anyone else want to make a comment? Just raise your hand and I'll see you in the right order and call upon you. Sharon, you, you, I'm going to pick up on a word you mentioned there. It's about con conscious or consciousness of sin. The writer of Hebrews um, speaks about that in reference to the Levitical sacrifices. I know we've been studying all the sacrifices in Leviticus up until this point here. You know, the burnt offering, the sin offering, the guilt and trespass offering, the grain offerings, those are all fine and dandy. But yet, according to Hebrews, they remained in the people's minds, in their, con in their conscious, a sense of sin. Because they knew, they knew that, I think they knew that the blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient to take away all sins. There was all the unknown sins, all the unconfessed sins, all the unintentional sins that still went unatoned for throughout the year. And that's why the Yom Kippur offering was such a big deal. It's probably the, and that's why it, we ought to consider it the holiest day of the year. It is the holiest day of the year because it's on that day that the high priest was allowed to go in and atone for the sins of the nation that happened since the previous day and had contaminated not only themselves, but the, the place where Yah dwelt, where his presence dwelt. So, and, and then you, you said, you know, how much Yeshua has accomplished for us. He's accomplished all that for all the pages and chapters we've been reading so far about what was necessary. He's accomplished that by the one act, once and for all act. 
And when we study Leviticus the way we have been, seeing all the details, seeing all the requirements, all the you know the do's and don'ts that go along with presenting our offerings to Yah in the right way so that it will be accepted. And He has accomplished that for us in that once and for all uh, uh, sacrifice. When we learn all these little details, we truly appreciate how much He has done for us. And we just, we're so grateful. We're so grateful for His love. That's why we obey. We obey because we love the one who, who did what we couldn't do. And we show Him that way. Uh, the floor is open. Anyone with a hand? Lloyd, I see you. Go ahead, my brother. Yeah, so Sharon touched on something there about the blood. Um, man, I've been from a child reading about this blood and how it is treated. And I still think that there's some things about it that we, we still don't fully understand. Um, remember, I had to do... Uh, 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 drosh on uh, on this uh, thing with blood, and I did some research, and what I found out is that um, if someone gets a cut and they bleed into a rock, like a rock, and the blood goes into the stone, if you go there a thousand years, yeah. After that, at, yeah. at that spot where the blood goes into the stone, yeah. you could actually get the person's DNA from it still. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand years after they bleed into the stone, you could still get their DNA from that rock. Yeah. So blood is something, it stains. And I remember, uh, you know, uh, uh, when I was, you know, when I was back home and I got shot, I, I was wearing a brand new golf shirt white gold shirt and a brand new pair of jeans and that was the end of it <laughs> of the golf shirt and the jeans because they were soaked in blood that we had to destroy them like you, there's no way you could get the blood out of them right you couldn't restore it blood stains but yet still the Torah is telling us about the blood that cleanses it doesn't stain it cleanses the blood of messiah yeshua right Blood is something you put bleach and all kind of stuff on it, and still there's some remaining in there. It, it stains whatever it touches, right? But yet still, Messiah Yeshua's blood does the reverse. It cleanses yes. the stain that our blood <laughs> makes, right? Yeah. And, and it's just amazing. So I, 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 I do believe, and, and, and when I think of even some nations that eat blood like some of our people in Africa and stuff like that, you see they stab the animal and they collect the blood and they mix it with milk and all kind of stuff and I'm like I wish, I wonder if they really understand what the Bible say about blood and how it should be treated, you know? Yeah. And and, and I think sometimes people do these things, these things ignorantly and it, but still I think it brings curse on you know? You know, it's like this is ignorance excuse, and I still believe that these things bring bring curse on you. You know, so yeah. there's something about this blood that's just amazing that I just don't fully comprehend. I don't know how you guys think. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lloyd. Thank you. As you said, right? Those that eat blood or partake in it in some unholy way, they don't. They do it out of ignorance, right? They don't know better, and it's. It's too bad because, as you said, I agree with you. There's a curse that goes with that. Um, yeah, you're so right. You know, uh, you know, those of us who watch all these, you know, murder stories and whatever, 
you know you can't get rid of a blood stain, right? You can, you know, you can clean, scrub the floor or do whatever you want. The, even though you may not be able to see it with your eyes, it's still there. It can still be detected. You know, science has proved that now. And Lloyd, you're so right. It, it, it covers the stain of sin that is on our souls. That's what it does. It covers the stain of sin. That's why you can still detect it. You know, thousands of years later, because it persists, it lasts forever. Its ability to cover sin, to atone for sin, is is permanent. It's forever. So that's you know, Yeshua's blood, right? Yeshua's blood. It's permanent. His blood is is cleanses the stain of sin from our souls forever. Yah can't even see it anymore. He can't even see the, the our sins anymore. That's how efficacious it is. Nice, uh, Herman. Well, President, good evening. Yes. <clears throat> yes, I, I was looking at the, this chapter here, and I realized that um, all the instructions that Yah gave for the um, for Aaron before he could come into his presence. So we know we noted that Yah himself is also presence in the cloud just above the atonement cover of the ark. So he had to be very careful from there on to go into the atonement place. Uh, Aaron had to follow strict instructions fully before he could come into the sanctuary. And we look at the various requirements that he had to fulfill before. We also notice that he himself had to provide a ram for his and his family atonement. And um, also how prepared he had to be, whereby he had to have himself cleansed with water and put on his, his attire before going into the for putting on the rest of his garment. I, I also see where um, the goats that were being offered as a sacrifice, I see them really pointing to Yeshua. You notice the lot was cast, which goat was going to live and which goat was going to pay the price. And we, we, we saw at the end that Yeshua's um, clothing lot was cast for it. And of course, Yeshua was the other goat that paid the full uh, atonement for us today. So today we are totally redeemed and restored. Yet we do have a responsibility, and that is to accept him and acknowledge him and to daily confess whether the known and unknown sins that we may have committed, because he says, we sin in both word, thought, and deed, Yes. even before we know it. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, uh, Herman. That was well said. Very well said. The goats is an interesting one, eh? Um, there's a few different interpretations on how to, how to understand the goats. Um, the common one, I think, is, um, you know, we think of Yeshua fulfilling the, the goat for Azazel, as it says, as the scapegoat. So a lot of translations say the scapegoats. And that's, there's certainly that understanding in it there. 
so we say, you know, Yeshua took our sins and he became our scapegoat, you know. So, and, and while that is true, I think, I don't know, I'm not quite sure whether I agree wholeheartedly with that explanation. I think there is, as it said here, the one, one of the goats was for Yah, as a sin offering to Yah, for the people. The other one bore the sins of the nation to to some entity, and I believe this is a personal entity, but that goes by the name of Azazel. And which other entity? Because the verse is uh, when you read it in uh, in Leviticus, it's like one for one for Yah, and the other one for Azazel. Right, so it's we're talking about something that opposes Yazazel. Is sorry that opposes Yah. So one for Yah, and another for somebody with a proper name of Azazel. To me, that is none other than the evil one himself, Satan, Hasatan, the evil one himself. So because he's the one that opposes Yah, and so one goat, you know, the blood is shed and sprinkled, forgiving our sins. And then the high priest puts both hands on the second goat, confesses the sins. In other words, back to sender, right? All the sin and evil comes from the evil one, the Satan. So it's like, Yah has forgiven our sins, and now the high priest is putting the sins back to the one who sent it and sends him back to his, you know, to, to the wilderness where the evil spirits dwell. Where Satan himself dwells. That's the, that's the way I, I like to see it that way myself. Is that is that return to sender. These things belong to you. They don't belong on Israel anymore, right? And that and I think in that sense, Yeshua has done that uh, perfectly for us. You know, in, in that once and for all sacrifice. That's my take on that one. Um, but yeah, good, I, good, I, sorry, I, I would just like to say that um, also it is referred that. Um, they, he will carry the sins of the people to the wilderness of Azazel. Yeah. The yeah. wilderness of Azazel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Azazel is not a, a, a place. It's not a name of a place. I don't think. Yeah, I think it's a it's a personal name. I think it's referring it to Satan. So taking, sending his sins back to him is what that goat accomplishes. In the way I see it. Okay, I'll check that Azazel and see what it means from uh Yeah, you, you'll get a number of different translations. Um, you know, like some will say scapegoats. Um, uh, some will sort of, some interpretations will say it's a place. But I think because it's, it's put in opposition to Yah, you know, one go for Yah, the other one for Azazel. It's the thing that opposes Yah. It's, they're juxtaposed. So I believe it's a, per, it's, a, it's a personal entity. And who else but Satan himself could be the one that could oppose, that would dare to oppose Yah. It's like return to sender. Exactly. <laughs> you get the return to sender. And it's, it's like, yeah, it's like um, what he's saying is, you sent these unto Israel, but we have no need for them. So here you go, please. Accept them exactly. Uh, exactly. from us back to you because we don't need them anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Although there's nothing wrong with the understanding that Yeshua is our is our scapegoat in the sense that he bore our sins, but we we say more we bore our sins. Yeah, he bore our sins on the cross, right? He took his sins uh, to death, 
to his death, basically. So that to me, that fits more the 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 goat that died, right? To bear our sins, because Aaron Aaron confessed the sins of the nation on that goat as well. So anyway, good uh, good stuff, good interpretations. Check it out, uh, Herman, and then let me know what you think uh, at some future time. Uh, anyone else with a comment, a question, an observation? Okay, nothing else. Uh, anything from Rochelle, being the expert in this Torah portion now that you've read it and studied it in great detail? Anything you want to share with us? You're not allowed to ask questions. <laughs> okay. Um, I, you know what? No, I'm, I'm just kidding about the questions. Uh, yeah. Well, I should have written them down. I did have some questions, but I've noticed... Um, no, I, it's, not, it's nothing profound or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, no. The, the only thing that I realized that in, in this parasha was that, you know... To make atonements was repeated often, and I, I don't, I don't think I had seen that it was, you know, every time Yah would say the instruction, and then he would say, you know, this is for Aharon to make atonement for. So, you know, um, the the high priest made atonement for our for their sins, just like Yeshua made atonement for us. I just, I just never seen the, the you know, to make atonement. It was repeated often throughout uh, the chapter, and I just, you know, he shall make atonement for, you know, like, yeah. So I never, you know, like I said, nothing very profound, but um, yeah. um, it was just, you know, it was just nice, um, nice to see that. Um, that he, you know, Aharon is the one who made atonement because I thought it was, I thought it was, you know, for some reason I thought it was Yahuwah, but, you know, it clearly says, and he shall make atonement for the Kohanim, for the people of the assembly, etc. So, um, um, and then, um, yeah, and now I know exactly how the, the ritual, you know, uh, took place, you know, like how it, it was, um, it was done, you know. I'm, I am a priest. I'm not a high priest, that's for sure. But now I know how it is. You know how it was done. It was an interesting uh, yeah. ritual. Yeah. And uh, as, as you mentioned with um, with seeing atonement over and over again, that's why I like to call it Yom Hakipurim. Yom Hakipurim. The Day of Atonement. Plural. Because many things were, were atoned for on that day. The tabernacle, the utensils, the people, the priests, on and on. It was a day of many atonements. And that's what it says in the Hebrew. Yom HaKippurim. Why we call it Yom Kippur, I have no idea. The proper name should be Yom HaKippurim. The day when atonements were made for the, na for the nation. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And then it's funny, uh, I thought there would be a lot more sacrifices, and I'm sure there were, but in this particular chapter, there were only four, really. You know, the two goats, the, the, the two, um, the bull, the two goats, and the, and, and the ram. Wow. So I thought, you know, you know, you know, in other chapters you read that there are so many other 
sacrifices, but on this day, supposedly, they didn't have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of sacrifices. Anyway, trivial comment, I know. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, I didn't pick up on that. You, you're right. There wasn't that many uh, sacrifices for like a whole day type of ceremony, right? Because this thing probably took the whole day, you know. It did, because yeah. he yeah. had to do a few trips in yeah. and out, in and out. Trips you know? in and out, the, you know, the sending away of the goat and everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Bernice, I see your hand. Thank you, Rochelle. Don't forget to unmute Bernice. I was just saying you're probably very right about the scapegoat. It doesn't represent Christ any shape or because nowhere otherwise in scripture do you see Christ represented as a goat. You see him represented as a lamb. Yeah. And in Revelation you see him as the lamb that was slain. But you never see him as a goat. So that goat that was sent out is not at all anything to do with Christ. So I think you're right on that score. And nowhere other, you know, whenever you read something one piece, you need to find it another place to be able to, to understand it because that's the way the Bible works. It doesn't, it doesn't say it only one place. It says it several places so that you can understand. It says it two or three places. Yeah. And I, I always look to see where else it says that Christ was a scapegoat. Never, never anywhere. So that has to be something that came up outside, that came up in Christendom or outside of, of Jewish thinking, I believe. Yeah. And I, I, I cannot see him represented anywhere else but as a lamb, the lamb who was slain. That is lamb in heaven. Is, if you read Revelation, or God, he is the lamb who was slain. Yeah. Not the perception. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'm so glad you agree with me, Bernice. Uh, I'm happy to have you on my side with that one. But let me, but let me just say this: Are you sure that it, there's no place else where a goat and a lamb could not be substituted and perform the same function in the Torah? I'm not so sure. In other words, what I'm saying, I'm not so sure. It's where you can say that never have we heard of him being referred to as a goat. I'd have to double check that. Yeah, I don't know. I just have never seen it. I yeah. just have never seen it. Yeah. Even in Isaiah, he was the lamb that was, that, you know, yeah. you read Isaiah, it's the lamb. If you read Revelation, yeah. the lamb. It's in court. Yeah. So where yeah. did that come from? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So if, uh, I may, if I may say something here, I want to, uh, you know, uh, debate this so long, but um, I think even we just went through uh, Pesach there, and yeah. um, they, the people had a choice as to whether they could use uh, goat or sheep. Or a lamb, yeah. Um, in Hebrew, the word that is used is um, most of the time is uh, say, yeah, which is a young lamb or a young goat. Um, but even in today's parashah, it's two goats. It says two goats were brought, one for Adonai and one for Azazel. 
right? So um, I think there are places there, but uh, what I hear Bernice, I hear what she's saying, like often Yeshua is, is referred to as the Lamb. There are yes. so many scriptures that refer to him as a lamb, but I do yeah. believe that there are a few places where they had choices whether they could use a young sheep or a young goat. Yeah, thanks, Lord. Thank uh, thanks. I was. I thought of the the um, instructions in uh, Exodus chapter twelve, and I knew that it, but I wanted to check to see whether it could include the goat or not. I just thought so instinctively. But you're correct in pointing out, even in this Torah portion. The goat serves as a sin offering to Yah, right, on behalf of the people. So, and and we know certainly know that Yeshua fulfills that. So, there's one example, um, and there may be others as well. Sharon, can I just ask a question? Um, like with what Bernie is saying and what Lloyd just said, um, in my brain, I'm, I'm seeing two different things. I'm seeing that when we talk about the Lamb of Yeshua, that we're talking about him and his sacrifice for us so he's always referred to as the lamb but when we're talking about making a sacrifice to him then i see where they can the goats could be used because that's us making a sacrifice to him and with the lamb he is the one that's making the sacrifice so he's represented as the lamb in all his sacrifices. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but that's how I sort of sat here. It just was coming up in my head. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, if it makes sense. I, I, lost, I lost your audio there for a few seconds while you were speaking. I think I must have missed the gist of no. what you were saying there. Oh, okay. Quickly, just repeat. The gist of what I was saying is that when Bernice was talking about that, when Lord was talking about the goal, where the goal represents us making a sacrifice for our, our sins unto Yah, right? Yeah. So we can use the goat. But when we're talking about the lamb, that Yeshua is the lamb that sacrificed himself, so we always refer to the lamb as Yeshua, right? He, yeah. That's him making a sacrifice to atone for our sin. So I, I was trying to see the difference in the lamb being Yah and the goat being our sacrifice to Yah for our sins. Yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying now. I get what you're saying. Okay. It's possible, right? It's possible. Yeah. It's possible. Uh, okay. Um, good discussion. We're going to end the discussion there for right, now you're, and move you're, on. Just let Angela. Sorry? Herman. Yeah, go ahead, Herman. Uh, apparently, somebody has um, two units working at the same time. So that's why we're getting the feedback, because it's a repeat coming in. Oh, somebody okay. may be on a computer as well as on the phone. Yeah, yeah. So. And, and people do that from time to time because, uh, you know, they may have, I don't know, some other equipment or technical problems where they need to do that. So... Um, one, one need to be silent while we use the other one if it's for viewing. Yeah, yeah. Like for example, right now um, your volume is very is kind of low. I, I can hear you, but it's kind of low. And then then the next person, or in a few minutes, yours will pop up really loud. So I'm not sure why that's happening uh, today. It usually, this hasn't been giving us this problem though. Anyway, I think we can. We're good enough to carry on. So let's carry on. Um, let me record.
doer. Hi, Rochelle. Hi, just just quickly. Um, in chapter 18, I, I realized that one of the more deviant sexual relation was uh, relations was with uh, your father's daughter, and it reminded me of um, King King David's daughter Tamar. The Tamar. Yeah. yeah. So I was I actually had not seen it before, and I'm like, wow. I was surprised to see David's um, nonchalance in in how he handled the um, the situation, and he didn't. Uh, I mean, this was considered a very high, what is it called, a high hand sin. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, David is is you know he is um, said as 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 the person who is after. Um, Yah's own heart, and 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 he he is he, he was, but I was just surprised by his nonchalance and how he, you know, managed the whole uh, affair. So I don't know if 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 any rabbi or anybody, or if you had any thoughts as to why he was so, you know, cavalier about this, and because this was clearly stated as something wrong, and then he. And then also the fact that even Tamar would even suggest it, because that's what she said, right? She said, you know, don't don't commit this great sin, but rather if you speak to my father, you know, I'm sure he will not refuse you, you know, um, to, to for me to be married to you. So I, I'm like even more surprised that you would have, you know, a, Israelites thinking in this way when it's clearly stated in the Torah that it's wrong. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I'll give you my opinion, Rochelle. Um, I, I'm sure there's lots of opinions on this. Um, like, you know, we say, how can David do this? Wasn't he? A, how can he even be a man after Yah's own heart? And he's like this. Hey, here's this. Here's the deal. And we ought to be thankful for that. David was a human being. He's no different than me or you. He wasn't perfect. God didn't choose him because he was perfect, or he was good, he was righteous, he was obedient. No, he, God chose him because he, God chose him. Same way he chose us. But he wasn't perfect. None of us are perfect. All of us, you know, are, are the same status as King David in Yah's eyes. And we all fall from time to time. So it should we shouldn't be alarmed when we see these failures of those, you know, those giants of the of the Tanakh like David. We should we must always remember that they were just ordinary human beings, sinful men, just like me and you, you know. Mm-hmm. And we have to be thankful for that because just as Yah said, "Hey, there's a man after my own heart," He can say the same for us, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that to me. That's encouragement for us. Even David. The man who sinned in this way and in many other ways. Mm -hmm. I said, this is a man after my own heart. I'm good with that. That gives Mm -hmm. me hope. Because Mm -hmm. I I know I have a lot of sin in me, right? Mm -hmm. But I know that, yeah, because he did it for David, he he would do it for me too, if my heart is right. So that should encourage us. That's, That's my take on that. What do you think? I, I, I understand. And I, I don't think, um, 
you know, I was disputing that, although I said it. Uh, but what I what I meant to say, and this is this is what I said, is that I was just surprised that this was somewhat um, accepted because even Tamar and you know um, said it right. So it was accepted, and I'm just surprised that it was accepted in 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 the society whereby it was clearly stated in the Torah that this was a no-no. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's as if I was saying, you know, adultery was was kind of accepted. Yeah. Accepted, yeah. it might be a bit a bit of a big word here, but yeah. I was just a bit surprised that not just David, but also Tamar yeah. suggested it so and, and accepted point, it. Yeah, you're pointing out that it's something that's already endemic in the society, endemic in the culture. It was accepted. Now I ask you to consider this. Look around you. Look at the culture around us. The culture of believers I'm talking about. Look at the culture of believers around you. About all kinds of issues. Is it any different? Are you still surprised? No, you shouldn't be. This, is, this has happened to Yaz people over and over again. Mm-hmm. We have succumbed to the world. We have let the world, the heathen of this world, infiltrate our community, mm-hmm. our nation. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've taken on their values. We've taken mm-hmm. on their customs. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, this is what's happened. That happened in David's day. You could see the start of it then. It got worse. So much worse that Yaz said, hey, out. Mm-hmm. You can't stay here anymore. So, and we're seeing it, right? We're seeing it. But you know what? Like, Yah is faithful, you know? Yah is faithful. He will wake up Israel in these last days. He will call Israel back to true obedience. To true heart of worship. Heart like like David had, you know? And with the deeds to follow. That day is... Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, Shelly, I see your hand. I would simply add that David has had an experience. He's had his Bathsheba moment. And if we wish to employ the law like that, David should have been killed and stoned. And yet, even then, and it was a willful sin that he did. And when he had that with Bathsheba, the word of the Lord said to him that the sword would never depart from his house. So even though his life was spared, trouble broke out. So we have rape. We have the brother of the sister who was raped, killing the other brother. And it seems as if David is just passive in all of this and not bringing down the full extent of the law. And for me, the principle I take from that, you could see why when we come into the writings of Paul and the others, the the criteria for those in leadership, why they have to be above blame, because it's really hard if you've received mercy to bring down a big stick on others. And, you know, as you said, it's an encouragement to us that David knew when he committed that sin, that there was no bringing of a bull and a goat for willful sin. 
the whole system of sacrifice were for unintentional sins, not for willful. And when we sin willfully, the only hope we have is to cry out for mercy. Yeah. The crowd. But as God says, He He will forgive, but sin has to be punished. And what we see playing out in David's family here is just how messed up things are, and we're watching the sword. That was the word of the Lord, because he'd done this thing that the sword would never depart from his house, so it would be bloodshed. However, it happened, so we have rape, and then we have murder, and then we have his son rebelling and even coming to kill him and wanting to overthrow him. And as you say, Dua, we, we see a lot of family relationships that are askew this day, right? Nothing, nothing has changed in the human condition. But we thank God for his mercy. And that we too could cry out. Yeah. And even though we live, sin will be punished. We stand the consequences. But the mercy of God. The mercy of God. There go you, there go you and I, but for the mercy. But for his mercy. Amen. 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 Thank you, Shelley. Thank you, Shelley. Uh, Herman and then Michael. Yes, I, I agree with Shelley and I agree with you, Dor. I, I can understand where Rachel is coming from because Adam, at Israel, except the Creator, Yeshua, Yahweh, then there would have been no need for this. But because they have rejected him, that is why we are subject to the same things as the Eden. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Herman. Uh, Michael? Shabbat Shalom to you, Michael, by the way. Don't forget to unmute your mic. Are you there, Michael? Can you hear me? Because we can't hear you. Your mic uh, is still muted. Okay, there. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. Now, David is a profound example of when we get older, we cry out in Psalm 51, forgive me for I have sinned. And we human beings are going to be prone to make these mistakes over and over again. And it isn't that we should stone you because you make the mistake, as Jesus never stoned the woman that committed adultery. It is, can we learn from our mistakes? And can we honor God and says, you know what? This is my atonement. I need grace on my side because I've failed. Now, had Jesus not lived as a human being and walked the walk and talked the talk, then I think we'd have more excuses, but we don't because he showed us how to do it. And he showed us how that even when he went to the cross, it was for us and he showed us that we have to be all in. We can't be halfway. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Good comment. Good point. Okay, folks, uh, this is great discussion, uh, and we could go on with this for hours and hours, but uh, we must leave it there for now and move on to some other things. So let's do the blessing for the wine and the bread. Thank you all for your questions, your comments, and your participation. Uh, we are learning from each other. Iron sharpens iron.
But now you have your wine or grape juice. We're now going to say the blessing for the wine. Join with me. Baruch Yahuwah, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Borei Amen. Blessed are you, Yahweh Elohim, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. And Father, we thank you for the vine of David, O Messiah Yeshua. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Father, may we remain in him and he in us, because without him we can do nothing, but with him we can be fruitful for your kingdom. Taste and see, and Yah is good. Lachaim, to life. And now let's give thanks to the Most High for His provision, the bread. Join with me. Baruch Yahuwah, Eloheinu melech haolam, amotzilechem min haaretz. Amen. Blessed are you, Yahor Elohim, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Father, we thank you for this bread. We need for life on the earth. But we thank you mostly, Father, for the bread sent down from heaven, the bread of life, of whom we may partake and never taste death. Thank you, Abba, for the bread of life. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to recite Psalm 150, and then we're going to do about 20 minutes of just some music where we can just rejoice before or create all. So here is Psalm 150. Let's recite it together, shall we? Hallelujah! Praise Yah in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him as befits the abundance of His greatness. Praise Him with the blast of the shofar. Praise Him with the lyre and harp. Praise Him with drum and dance. Praise Him with organ and flute. Praise Him with cymbals clanging. Praise Him with trumpets resounding. Let all souls praise Yah. Hallelujah. And Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Hallelujah. 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 Shabbat Shalom.